0: Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On August 20th, 10 storytellers shared their stories with our audience at Holy Hound Tap Room in downtown York. The theme for our August Story Slam was Into the Wild. We heard stories of hiking, biking, and swimming in the wilderness, and stories of navigating dangerous situations in remote locations. In the end, our winner was Ash DeVoe, who won with her story
1: about an unusual outdoor portrait session.
2: Come on up here, Ash.
1: Hey. Thank you. Howdy, everybody. So my Into the Wild story, I don't know if you heard me a couple years ago, I talked about my brother pushing me off a cliff when I was a teenager, and I opened it with, I was a feral child. I was, I've always been a feral child. I'm still kind of a feral adult. I'm not really sure what I'm doing. And when I was dating my first, oh, I'm sorry, second boyfriend of a real length of time, and when he decided we were going to be adventurous in some areas that I wasn't entirely sure how it was going to go, and I thought, sure, I'm 18, I'm young, I'm nubile. I mean, I don't look bad naked. Sure, let's try it. So he found a website called FetLife.com, which is Facebook for fetishists. And he decided that we were going to put our relationship on display. And the best way to do that would be to take me into the woods, have me stripped naked, and take lots of pictures. And I thought... This is love, because who isn't an idiot when you're 18 years old? You let a man take you into the woods and strip you naked and take pictures, why not? So I had been archery shooting for a couple of years and he had gotten me a beautiful recurve bow, 28 pound draw, loved this thing, antler, um, antler tips, beautiful bound, uh, I loved stringing it up and he decided, okay, we're gonna put you in your moccasins, we're gonna hand you your bow and you're going to be Artemis, the goddess of the hunt. And we're going to put you way up in this tree. And I climbed way up in this cherry tree. I used the ladder to get up, way up off the ground. On I don't know if you're familiar with wild cherry trees in southeastern Pennsylvania, but they have very rough, very sharp bark. And when you're trying to position yourself and all you're wearing is moccasins, <laughs> You get some pokey bits in unfortunate places. So I finally get myself up balance. He tosses the bow up to me. I catch it. I hit this beautiful pose, stretched out to the ear, buck naked. And he snaps a couple pictures. And of course, my foot slips, split on the branch, boom, off the end into the bramble patch. And I sit up, did you get the picture? God only knows where this picture ended up. I'm sure it's somewhere on them internets. God bless them internets. I don't really remember much other than like the pokey bits in the places. But I'm told the picture was lovely in black and white with the striking and the light and the places and the bow. And oh, yes, I was the goddess embodiment of Artemis. But I thought, I don't know if I want to get this wild again. So even after they went up on, on the fet life, and he decided we were going to try some other things and find some people, and that was like his like bait into the water of like, what people can we reel in? I was like, I'm done with this fishing expedition. I'm not getting naked in the woods anymore unless you ask really nicely.
0: Ash earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up, we have a story from Brian Spence, who shared the lessons he learned from a hike that left his father
3: breathless. All right, so I'm here today to talk about the three types of fun. Does anybody in here know the three types of fun? Awesome, okay. So the first type of fun is what we always call fun. It's an activity you're doing and you're having a good time when you're doing it, right? It's going for a nice walk in the woods, a mellow bike ride along a path, Floating on the river with your best friends in an inner tube. It's what we all call fun. When we talk about going into the wild, the, the, the crazy the stuff that happens when we're out in the woods or wherever we find ourselves, there are more types. I find myself living in type two. The second type of fun is fun that is terrible when it's happening. You're miserable. You're hot or you're cold. You're usually sweating either way. You're tired. You're probably scared. You might think you're gonna fall off something. It's fun that is awful and miserable when you're doing it, but then afterwards, in retrospect, that actually was kind of fun. It was kind of cool. It's something you'll go back and talk about with your friends, okay? The drinks you have during or after type one fun, white wine, maybe a light lager, something with an umbrella in it, Type two fun drinks are more like the beers in the parking lot afterwards. You're like, I can't believe we just did that, but that was pretty neat. Type three fun is a bit different story. Type three fun is not fun at all when you're doing it and not fun afterwards. So think like Ernest Shackleton. Think Aaron Ralston, that guy who had to saw his arm off with a Swiss army knife. For me, the thing about going into the wild is that there's always a spectrum. Even something that starts out as type 1 fun often runs into type 2, which is kind of what I like, and might even go into type 3. So, side note, the difference between a trip and an adventure. A trip is type 1 fun. A trip is when everything goes as planned and you have a blast. When something goes a little bit sideways, now it's an adventure, and now we're in type 2. So my father was the one who introduced me to going into the wilderness, going in the wild, Back starting when I was in sixth grade when he took me up to Mount Marcy, the highest point in the Adirondacks, sort of a family tradition. And growing up all through high school, he was my scoutmaster. So as I was learning about going into the wild, he was there guiding me. For whatever reason, I kind of got away from that in my 20s. It was about 10 years ago, when I was visiting my parents when they lived in Tucson, Arizona, where they started to, to become snowbirds. And we went hiking. And we, I went with my parents along this trail in the desert at the base of this huge mountain called Elephant Head. It rises about 2,000 feet, this huge rock that goes straight up. And As it turns out, there's, a, there's also a way to hike around it. You can kind of crawl up it and climb up it. And a few years later, after I had sort of sparked my, my love for the outdoors again, I went back there with my dad, and we climbed Elephant Head. About four years ago, I found myself back in Tucson. It's sort of become kind of an annual pilgrimage in the spring when, it, when our beautiful winters here are just getting so overwhelmingly great that I just have to go down to the desert. That I found myself back there, and I was there with my brother-in-law, and it was the last day there, and we decided let's go to Elephant Head again with my father. It's kind of a cool hike. It starts out, um, you're walking along this old mining road along the side of a, of a mountain, And then you come around a corner and you see the big peak that you're eventually going to climb. And then you have to hike down about 500 feet straight down into a canyon. There's a little uh, spring there and then you have to hike straight back up the other side to a saddle. And after that, then you climb the peak. So all was well and good. We had done this before. We start to hike down, stop at the creek, get some water, start to climb up. And about halfway up, I notice as we're going up the switchbacks, that my dad's having a tougher time. About every switchback, we have to stop for 30 seconds or a minute or so, so we can catch his breath. And I'm not sure what's going on, because he's, he's involved in a hiking group out there, he's out in the mountains here all the time, it's something we've done before. At that point, we're moving into type two fun. Okay, it's hot, the sun's being down on us, and now I start to think about what's plan B, what's plan C, what, we can turn around and go back, but then we have to go back down the same thing and back up. What if we just went up a little bit farther and see if he does a little bit better? So we did that, and he stayed underneath the rock in the shade while my brother-in-law and I scrambled up about 700 feet of rocks. So think about boys crawling on rocks. All right, we're back in type one fun, <laughs> okay? We get up to the top, and we're looking all around, and then we drop back down, and he's feeling better, but at this point, we can't really go He doesn't feel good enough to go down and then back up again, so we decide we're gonna go across the side of the mountain. There's a trail that goes that way that I looked up, it looked like it went around the contours a little bit, and we'd be fine. We're crawling up on rocks again, type one fun. Then the trail disappears, type two fun. Next thing I know, now we're actually bushwhacking. So we're on the side of a hillside with a bunch of sand and gravel that's like walking across a zillion little marbles. And on top of all that, There's a million plants that want to stab you. And it gets much harder going, and I'm not really doing any better for him at all, and I don't really know what's going on with him. And there was a point where we realized that we actually can't go straight up this wash where we want to go to get back to the trail. It's actually curving back in the whole way. So I crawled up on a cliff to try to get a better view where I could see, maybe guide them along, and find a better path down. As I'm doing that, I look out over down the canyon, and I can see the interstate. It's only about six miles away. Couldn't really be much farther. And as I'm walking along, I'm watching my brother-in-law helping my father along this. And I don't know what's happening with him. I don't know if he's having a heart attack or what's going on. And at that moment, I sat there and realized civilization's right there, but it couldn't be farther away. And it might have just killed my father. But that's not the kind of thinking that will really get you out of the situation. So I had to kind of stuff that down. And as I did that, I looked down and I realized there was a way to get down out of the canyon and climb up some rock in the, in the empty dry wash to get us out of it. We eventually did. And we walked out and we called my mom on the phone and said, yeah, we're fine. As it turns out, she was about 15 minutes away from calling the sheriff and sending a helicopter up. My father told us to be okay. He just hadn't really been hiking that much that season, as much as I thought he was. But that ran the whole gamut of all that. And it made me think, though, that we all like to think about fun as type one fun. But those things kind of fade into the background. It's the type two and the type three, even though we don't want the type three, that actually brings us all here in something like this. Because that's where our stories come from. Is those experiences that aren't great at the time, but they become something that are a lesson to us afterwards. And so that's why I go into the wild. Thanks.
0: Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Ty Lore. Ty told the story of a first date that included a sunset hike.
2: All my favorite hikes I've ever been on, um, have like really left me hanging hard. I, uh, my favorite hike that I can think back on to my trip uh, out to Yellowstone, I slid about a foot in bison shit and almost went down in it. Um, and then the second one was on uh, my second date with this girl who I really liked. And we started off, we went on a, uh, it was, I think it was a mutual idea to go on a hike. Um, and I had just moved to York County, so I let her pick the place. I still don't know where it's at, but we went on the hike and it was at sunset. It was super romantic. And uh, after about, like, an hour of hiking up through, we get to this peak, and you look out, and there's the sunset. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I just had a conversation with the friend who I was hiking with when I went through the bison poop um, the night, or a couple nights before. And I was like, dude, I, I want to go for the kiss. You know, this is a second date. I was getting nervous. I wanted, I wanted to go for uh, the first kiss, make it really nice and majestic on the sunset, on this hike. And he's like, got to shoot your shot, man. And I was like, all right, cool. So we get up, we get up to this peak. And we're standing there and like, I'm super nervous as my heart's pounding through my chest. And uh, I'm probably doing a whole bunch of weird mannerisms. I do that anyway, but I was probably, it was probably like tenfold. And we were just watching the sunset and I was like, this is nice. She's like, yeah. And we just stood there in awkward silence for like the next five minutes. And then I was like, well, we should probably get going, right? She's like, yeah. And I took my first step down and I just ate shit again (laughs) and went flat on my butt. And it hurts so, like I feel the cherry tree thing. I, I went down and, um, but I, it was the second date so I had to play it off. And I was like, oh, that was nothing. Like I'm, I'm strong. Uh, that didn't, <laughs> that didn't hurt. And uh, I said that didn't hurt. And I was like back home, like in a mirror, looking at the bruise on my back and all the way down to my hip. But uh, so we made it all the way down. It started getting dark, like halfway through. And I was like, oh, I'm, so, I'm so lame. I didn't even go for like the kiss. It was like picturesque. It was perfect. So I did the next best thing, right? So it was getting dark. So I said the best line in my head to get closer to her. And I was like, oh, we should probably hold hands because it's getting dark and I don't want to lose you. And um, she was just like, oh, uh, okay. And <laughs> gave me her hand and we like walked back down through and it got really dark to the point where I couldn't find my truck. And so I was like pulling out my keys, hitting the panic button, just hoping we were in range. And about after doing that for like 10 minutes, we finally got finally got back to the truck and uh I hadn't had the I hadn't had the first kiss yet so the date couldn't end right so I was like ah why don't we keep this going it's like late now she's like okay and so we went bowling and I thought I was a pretty (laughs) I thought I was a pretty good bowler um I was like all right let's make a deal loser has to kiss the winner and it, or I, I, I didn't say it that smooth. Like, I know that wasn't smooth, but I said it a lot worse. It was, it was like really rough. And I was like, yeah, I have an idea. And it was just really weird. Um, so I ended up losing. Uh, second date, it was, again, I was just like, oh, you know, I let you win. Uh, and <laughs> we finally, after I extend this out, like way longer than it needed to be, my butt's just hurting so bad from the fall I took. We get back to her place. And uh, we went in, we had our first kiss, and it wasn't, it wasn't like as cool as having it on the, the cliff side, looking out over the sunset, but we've been dating two years almost now, so I think it all worked out pretty well.
0: All the winners from this year's monthly Open Mic Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York at our Grand Slam in November. Tickets for our events are available on our website, YorkStorySlam.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on social media on Twitter and Facebook and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.